Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome into To The Point. Hope you're all doing well. Happy winter. It's the first day of winter, the shortest day of the year. So finally, we can start seeing the light of day past 4 p.m. So always a positive thing when we get to say that. A few more days until Christmas. But before that, we have lots to get into so much this time of year. Tomorrow on the podcast, we will be doing the World Junior Preview Show. Can't wait to do it. Love the tournament. Gothenburg, Sweden. That'll be on tap tomorrow. So on today's podcast, we are going through every NFL game this coming weekend, including tonight's Thursday Nighter in Los Angeles, which we will talk about momentarily. We're going to go through every game, talk about the injuries, notes, news, anything I have for you. I'll give it to you and give you the best bets for this coming weekend. Also, tomorrow on the podcast, I'm going to talk about the Christmas Day games in the NBA. So that'll be on tap tomorrow. Anything that happens this evening in the NHL, we will talk about. So that's all forthcoming tomorrow. We got a fun show today. And we're going to talk NFL. I'm going to start in on the ice with the National Hockey League. And lots happening. Jacques Martin loses his first game as head coach in Ottawa after having a 3-0 lead. That, that didn't look good. Ilya Samsonov starting for the Leafs tonight. That's a headline in Toronto. Not for me. Don't care. See how he plays, and I might talk about it. Uh, Mark Giordano hurt. That's, okay, not a story that I care about either. Um, here's a story that I don't think is going to lead any show, maybe other than in Philadelphia, where this is top-line news. It's December 21st, a good chunk of the season. We're over 30 games in. And normally 30 games, you can kind of define yourself, right? Boston Bruins, after 30 games, have been a pretty damn good team. They get points most nights. They have good structure. They have good goaltending. They know how to win. The Ottawa Senators are a joke. They don't know how to keep a lead. They stink. They're the worst team in the Eastern Conference so you've got to define yourself based on the way that you play. Well, after 30 games, the Philadelphia Flyers might be the most surprising team in hockey. For me, they are. Even more surprising than Ottawa being inept, because in Ottawa, it has, Ottawa has been inept for a number of years. I expected the Philadelphia Flyers to tank, not to be 18-10-3, and 10 and 3, I didn't see that coming. See them beat the, the Devils. Seeing them beat the Rangers this year. Being one of the more consistent teams in the Metropolitan Division. But why are they so good? It's easy to say, well, Travis Konechny is a stud. Well, they are. He is. He's a great player. Travis Sanheim is playing a whole lot better. He is. Carter Hart has been solid in between the pipes. Absolutely. The biggest reason for the Flyers, because they don't have more talent than other teams. They don't have elite, elite goaltending. Carter Hart's been good, but Samuel Erickson's been playing games lately. American Hockey League goaltender. He's making his fourth straight start tonight. He's taking the net. He's Grabbed the reins and gone with it. 
The biggest reason, in my mind, for the Philadelphia Flyers' success this season is John Tortorella, the head coach. All season, it's been both coaches have been fired. Edmonton, Minnesota, Ottawa, St. Louis. People changing things up. Now you hear Donnie Granato in Buffalo is on the hot seat. Is Mike Sullivan on the hot seat in Pittsburgh? What you don't hear enough of is just great coaching. You might hear about Sheldon Keefe when he pulls the goalie aggressively, which I really like, and I give him full credit for. But I watched the Flyers on Tuesday. I've watched them a bit lately. They might be the most bought-in team in the league to what their identity is and how they're going to win. When you are a more skill-based team, when you have superstar players like, say, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, David Pasternak, you can win games based off your skill and that you are more skilled than the opposition. And you can get away with it, quite frankly. It lulls you into a sense of comfortability that can actually have a negative effect on your team. When you have a structure and you play fundamentally sound hockey, it gives you a chance if you don't have the high-level skill. And I think if you play fundamentally sound hockey against a really skilled team, if they want to play loose, if they want to play, let's play, you know, backyard hockey, you're going to win most of those games. On Tuesday night, Flyers are playing the New Jersey Devils. New Jersey's been, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde all season. What are you? What is your structure? What is your style of play? Do you value the puck? Well, New Jersey's more talented than Philly. New Jersey has better players than Philly. You could argue that New Jersey had a better goaltender Tuesday night than Philadelphia. But why did Philly get the win in overtime? It's because their attention to detail, their back-checking, and their ability to take advantage of loose play in the neutral zone and the middle of the ice. Two examples, and both are Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes, one of the best players in the league. Superstar, no debate, great player. But Jack Hughes also is a number of other things. He's careless. He's small. And when you have a high level of confidence, you feel you can do anything. And that's a positive thing in life. But it's also a negative thing. Because you can't do everything. And there's good players against you. And they can make you pay. So in the second period, Jack Hughes has the puck. He's loose with it. He throws a pass trying to go up ice that is a little not a hard enough pass. He doesn't see Ryan Paling on the back check. Paling gets his stick on the puck, steals it, puts it through the legs of Jack Hughes. It's a two-on-one, and Ryan Paling scores the tying goal. E on Jack Hughes, I thought, okay, there's his muffin for the game. But then we get to overtime. And yes, it's three-on-three in everybody's favorite format other than me. But he does the same thing, except this time it's Owen Tippett. Owen Tippett was a highly touted prospect 
coming out of the OHL and he's a goal scorer, does all these things, and he still is. He's got 11 goals in the season. But he got his stick in the lane. He's bought in. He knows the style that they're going to play, and he puts it in the back of the net, and the Flyers get the two points. Their entire team, from top to bottom, plays this way. Because I'm going to read you this roster. Paling, cast off from Montreal. Owen Tippett, cast off from Florida. Farabee, good prospect. Sanheim, up and down. Most people say he's got a horrible contract. And he can't play. Konechny, stud. Sean Walker, second team. Nick Sealer, second team. Morgan Frost, not developed. Cam Atkinson, coming back from a serious neck injury. Tyson Forster, AHL player. Sean Couturier, thought his career was over. Bobby Brink, we'll see. Cam York, like him. Scott Lawton, fourth line center that could be a captain of any team. Garnet Hathaway, third team. Rasmus Ristolainen, overpaid defenseman. Zumala, love him. And Delorier, your fighter. There's not one superstar on that list. As much as I love Konechny, he isn't. He's a star. He's a good player. He's a power forward, even though he's not six feet tall. But they know, and John Tortorella knows, we're going to win if we play this way. If we're running gun hockey with the Leafs and with the Bruins and with the Oilers, we're not winning jack shit. We're not beating this team. No chance. But that takes a lot of guts takes a lot of courage to do it easier said than done to have players put their ego aside likely not have as good a numbers as they potentially could if they just played running gun hockey and lose a lot of games but they're doing this and we're in December and they're in a playoff spot and they're in every game they battle with everybody. Might say, oh, they beat the Islanders. The Islanders are a good team. And the Metro are all kind of linked up. You look at the Atlantic Division. To me, the top three teams, it's them and then everybody else. Boston, Toronto, Florida. And I don't think it's that list, and I don't think it'll be that way to end the season, but that's how it is right now. I think those three teams are better than Tampa, than Otto, obviously, than Montreal. You go through the rest of the Atlantic Division, it's not that strong. The Metropolitan Division currently has five playoff teams. They have six teams in the periphery because New Jersey's on the outside looking in. No team is great in that division, including the Rangers. I don't think the Rangers are going to be a threat come playoff time. I said that from the beginning. I didn't think they'd make the playoffs. They're going to. I'm going to take an L on that. But do I fear them come playoff time? No. Because they've never given you a reason to fear them. They always come up short. They never play a physical brand of hockey. They're not willing to sacrifice for it. I don't know if the Flyers are going to make the playoffs, but to be December 21st and for them to be in second place... In the Metropolitan Division is something else. 
For the Flyers to have one more point than the Toronto Maple Leafs at this point in the season, think about that. The Flyers have two more wins than the Maple Leafs. The Flyers have one less win than the Bruins. Have three more wins than the Islanders. One more win than the Hurricanes. Three more wins than the Tampa Bay Lightning. You put all this into perspective, it's quite something. And I... I love Torts. People hate him. You know, he's a grump and this, that, and the third. He was great in Columbus. Vancouver was his only dud spot where he did not help that team. He he was too quick to return in Vancouver. But he, he made Columbus competitive. He had to deal with a team where nobody wanted to be there. And Yarmo Kekalainen, who didn't help his coach out when building a team. And I think Keith Jones and Danny Breer obviously want their team to be more skilled and have more high-end talent than the team that you know currently, uh, you know that cur- that's currently on the ice. But the way Torts coaches, he's not going to mail this in, and this team isn't going to quit, and that city likes winners. It's a tough situation to go, we're going to tank, or I'm going to trade away these players now. I think Danny Breer is sitting in his office hoping that this team goes on a a losing skid. Hope this team's hit the ditch, that they don't buy into his system as the season goes on. Because that's a tough sell after watching the team be successful for the first time in a while. And I think Flyers fans can look and go, yeah, the Rangers have more talent than us, but are they better than us? Because oftentimes that's different too. Are you better? Sometimes skill wins. Sometimes. But the Oilers never win the cup, and the, <laughs> the Leafs never win the cup. Vegas does. Washington did. Kind of just the best team. The best group of players. You need your high-end talent to be great. Don't get me wrong. Having Austin Matthews is a luxury that, you know, you can't even define. You know, his game lately has been completely incredible. 25 goals in the season. Certainly in the Hart Trophy race. He's been dominant on the ice. And he's been physical. And I love his game. And that's something the Flyers don't have. They don't have an Austin Matthews. They don't have a Mitch Marner. They don't have a Bill Nylander. They don't have a Morgan Riley on the back end. And yet they have one more win than the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm not saying the Flyers are going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying the Flyers are even going to make the playoffs because they might just sell off pieces because that's the right thing to do for the team, for the future, which it is. It absolutely is. Making the, and I'll make this point, making the playoffs this year for the Flyers is a fucking disaster because you want to miss. You need to get more talent. This team can get you so far, but you'll never get over the line of demarcation. You'll get to the line, maybe you get in, but you don't get over it. So as good as this is, and it's quite a juxtaposition because it, it's – I can see this through the lens of just I don't care who wins. And I'm just, you know, 
I'm a guy who breaks this down. When you look at it, it's so hard to put even put this in your brain. It's not good for us to win this season. That's hard to comprehend sometimes. Because why wouldn't we want to win? Because you're not going to win enough. You won't get to that ultimate goal with the team that you have. So what you need to do is change it a bit. Or change it a lot. And come back and go, we got a better chance here. But John Tortorella is not going to punt. He's not going to phone it in. This group of players clearly is not going to phone it in. You need two things. You need to hope that the system breaks or you make the decision yourself. And again, that's a tough one. Danny Breer, Keith Jones, two guys who have very little experience in doing this in the National Hockey League on building a team, building a winner. They've been on the job for five minutes. So they might look at it and go, wow, this team's winning. Let's keep it together. Same thing uh, in Nashville. Barry Trotz, first-time GM. He didn't expect the, the Predators to be in a playoff position this time of year. They are. Predators are five points up in the Calgary Flames. Five points up in the St. Louis Blues. Nine points up on the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> Six points up on Minnesota. <laughs> Six points up on the Seattle Kraken who were a playoff team last year. So it, it's crazy things, crazy stuff. But Barry Trotz has to go, wow, this team is in a playoff spot, but dude, does he, he knows damn well this team isn't that good. But they're winning. And part of this is dealing with ownership, and you want to put asses in seats, and you want to sell tickets, and you want to sell merch, and you want to have a couple of playoff gates. You might only have two, but hey, it's a gate. Get some revenue, excitement in the city. It's a tough job to put all of that into perspective because I always thought, oh, I'd be a good general manager. But I, you know, when you think about it, you're not thinking about the person that you have to deal with. You're not thinking about your owner. In life as an employee, it's very simplistic because you listen to your boss and you have to do it because he's your boss. It's really no different in sports because they can name a general manager. They can name a president of hockey ops. But if the owner disagrees with the way that you're planning, you're not doing it. So at the end of the day, yes, you're in control, but you're in control as long as they say that you're in control and they like what your plan is. So for teams like the Flyers, for teams like the Predators, great stories in December. How long will it keep up? Who knows? But it's about making the tough decisions for the future and whether ownership is on board with you to make them. As much crap as I give the Rangers, and I don't buy them as a, as a great team, they're going to be a playoff team. They very well could win the Metropolitan Division. They sent that letter out. They told their fans, we're not going to be good. We're going to lose for a couple of years. We're going to be dreadful 
to get higher picks in the draft. And they did it quickly, and they've been a playoff team ever since. And they did get to a conference final. They didn't win, but they got to a conference final. And they were a playoff team last year, and they lost. So you can turn it around. And I think unless you're Buffalo, unless you're Ottawa, it's difficult to do. But the Maple Leafs bottomed out for a year. And as incompetent as you can label the Maple Leafs, and yes, they haven't won in 50-plus years, since 2015, they've made the playoffs every year. One playoff round, sure, but they've been a consistent playoff team. Minnesota has been in the playoffs every year since 2015. Same thing. Not the success that you would like. You're not winning championships. You're not winning many rounds. But you've been consistent. You can't have that longevity. I mean, the Detroit Red Wings made the playoffs for 22 straight seasons. They're not winning every year, but you're in it. I think that's what you have to balance. Some markets, making the playoffs every year is just important, even if you think you don't have a great chance of winning because you need that revenue and you need that notoriety and you need that, that sense in your market that we're in it, that we're alive. Like I think NHL HQ is praying for the Desert Dogs, Arizona Coyotes to make the playoffs this year. And it would be embarrassing to put them in that rink of 5,000 people for a playoff game. But they want to build a new rink down there. And they want to rebuild that market and try to tell everybody how great it is. We all know it's a hunk of shit. But they want to sell it. That's part of it is having a viable team. Having people wanting to go out and watch the team. You don't have that pull unless you're unless you're winning games. Unless you're a good team. If you're in a shitty market and your team sucks, nobody's going. Look at the, the Carolina Panthers, the NFL, the juggernaut of North America. They were selling tickets for 45 cents over the weekend to that game against the Falcons. And they were overpriced because that game was dreadful. But they were selling tickets for 45 cents. Crazy. When your team's no good and you don't like the ownership, you don't believe in them, people aren't going to go. You go, oh, it's the NFL. Oh, it's uh, the NHL. Well, shit ain't cheap. As you all know. Going anywhere, going to the driving to the goddamn grocery stores is expensive. So saying, oh, it's the NFL, we gotta go. A lot of people aren't gonna have that, you know, frame of mind. But credit to the Flyers. I don't think many shows are doing 23 minutes on the Philadelphia Flyers, but I did. Hope you enjoyed the segment, because I did. If you didn't, I'm sorry. But I'm sure you can go to Real Kipper and Born or Overdrive for your 30 minutes of Leaf or, I mean, two and a half hours of Leaf chat. So there's other alternatives for you. So go there. Another story that's been percolating in the NHL. Florida Panthers are third in the Metro, or third in the Atlantic, pardon me. They return tonight against the Blues. 
They were out west, long road trip. But the bigger news for them is the play of Matthew Kachuk, who is fourth in team scoring. But the big thing for him, the number for me, is he only has five goals in 31 games. He's on pace for less than 20. He's on pace for 55 points, which would be about what Huberto got last year. So people are going, well, was the trade so bad now? Let me just start here. Is Matthew Kachuk producing the way you'd like? Absolutely not. After back-to-back 100-point seasons. And do I have a slight bias here? Yes, I'll admit that, because he's my favorite player in the league. I love everything about him. I love his personality. I love his interviews. I love his play. He is just, he's awesome. Love Matthew Kachuk. Could he be better? Yes. Does he have to be better? Of course. However, sometimes it's more than just points. Watching him on the ice, his physical nature, the way he separates people off the puck, he has more of an effect on games than Jonathan Huberto, than these other guys that are in his point range. Should he have more points than Carter Verhege? Yes. There should be no way that Carter Verhege has 10 more goals than Matthew Kachuk. Carter Verhege's got 15 goals, and Carter Verhege's a very good goal scorer. Very good. And Sasha Barkov's got 30 points in 28 games, which is great for him. Sam Reinhart has 39 points in 31 games with 18 goals. So that's fantastic. The worry will be for Florida is if Reinhardt slows down, Barkov lays off a bit. They need Kachuk to be good because the rest of their lineup isn't all that impressive. Bottom of the lineup, Stephen Lawrence, Ryan Lomberg only has two points in 30, uh, 31 games. Brandon Montour, since coming back, has been a bit pedestrian. He's come back from a serious injury. Ekblad, again, not a big point producer. Nick Cousins, Lusterinen, Stenlin. Sam Bennett has been okay. They just play a very simplistic style. And you know what it is, and you have to be prepared for it. And you kind of have to play the right way in order to win. They're a physical group, and they're built for the playoffs, but you're going through an 82-game regular season, which is why they barely snuck in last year. I still view Florida as a really hard matchup. Bruins or Maple Leafs draw the Florida Panthers in the first round. That's no gimme because they beat them both last year, and I think they can beat them both again. Evan Rodriguez has been a really good ad. Ekman Larson has been better than they could possibly have imagined. In particular, at his number. And the fact that, get this, he's playing 20 minutes a night and he's got a zero on his plus minus, which I know is big in some communities. So I think Matthew Kachuk, does his play need to improve? Absolutely. And they need him to be good because Florida doesn't score a whole lot of goals when he's not going. But I think he will. And it could be tonight. They play St. Louis at home. St. Louis, obviously, where he grew up. That team means a lot to him. I could see his father being in town for this game. 
Plus, I'm sure he's looking at, you know, Brady having a good season, despite the fact that the Ottawa Senators are not, and going, okay, it's enough. They've been off since Monday. They've had some time after going out west, a long road trip before Christmas. I'm not overly concerned about Matthew Kachuk because he brings more to the table than just points. And you can't say that about every player that just provides points. There's guys who just have points that do nothing else to help the team. Matthew Kachuk's not in that camp, nor will he ever be. Talk this off the top. Senators lose in Jacques Martin's debut. 3-0 lead. They lose 4-3. Oh, what a gut punch. They've played a lot of hockey lately, and they're going to play a lot of hockey down the stretch because this is only their 28th game of the season tonight. They're also finishing up a long road trip in Colorado, which Colorado's pissed off. Devontae's called out his teammates after the loss to Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks on Tuesday. So the Avs are likely pissed. Senators likely in tough tonight. Feeling out process, finding the right lines, finding the right tandem. Who's your goaltender? What can you do? It's all that for Ottawa. Buffalo-Toronto tonight, what I will say is Buffalo got absolutely scorched on Tuesday. Columbus beat them 9-4 at home. Now the Leafs head into Buffalo tonight where it'll be Samson off back in the net against Levi. Buffalo's 13-17-3. I thought they'd be better. I didn't think they'd make the playoffs, but I thought they'd be better. You're looking around going, okay, kind of like Ottawa. You've paid all these guys. You're hoping for better results. I don't think it's all about the goaltending. Because Levi's a kid, and I think he's actually been pretty good. You look at his numbers. They're not great, but also they allow a ton of shots, and they don't play great defensively in front of them. Darlene leads the team in points with Casey Middlestad, but you look at these guys, Skinner, Tuck, Cousins, Tage Thompson has been so underwhelming. My guy, Owen Power, hasn't been great. You just go through a lot of guys underperforming, a team that doesn't play well defensively, a team that doesn't get the saves when they need them. I think they like Donnie Granato in Buffalo. I think they envisioned him, you know, he kind of helped turn the team around, put them back on the mat, gave them some respect. But when it rains, it pours, and it's only December, and we've had four firings in the NHL already. There could be five quick if Buffalo doesn't get some wins. They're below Pittsburgh in the standings with Pittsburgh has three games in hand. They're below Montreal, and Montreal has two games in hand. Below the Red Wings, below the Devils, they are in tough. Columbus is right on their heels, and Ottawa is not far behind. By the way, Ottawa has six games in hand on the Buffalo Sabres. Wild. So, with all that being said, with this start, the way it's going, Buffalo has Maple Leafs tonight at home, at the Rangers, 
and home to the Bruins their next three games. All really tough opponents, all games they will be betting underdogs. I worry about Donnie Granato. The only hope Donnie Granato might have is that the owner in Buffalo is cheap. Pagula will spend money on the Bills. He does not like to spend money on the Sabres. Part of the reason why they haven't made the playoffs in a long fucking time. Tonight you get Capitals, Blue Jackets. Capitals have been just, they find ways to win despite the fact that Alexander Ovechkin can't score a goal. Golden Knights in Tampa. Predators, Flyers, the two teams we were talking about. They meet tonight, funny enough. Hurricanes in Pittsburgh, Edmonton in New Jersey. Edmonton's on a three-game losing skid. They have a back-to-back jersey tonight, Rangers tomorrow. Calvin Pickard gets the start. So Oilers been up and down. You win eight in a row, lose three. They need to try to find some consistency. We'll see. Montreal and Minnesota. Vancouver and Dallas, which is a fun game between two of the best teams in the Western Conference. Calgary at the Anaheim Ducks and Coyotes in San Jose. So a big night in the NHL. Only three more days of NHL hockey before the holiday break. Last night in the NBA, 76ers, Timberwolves was a lot of fun. Joel Embiid dropped 51. He's averaging 35 points a game right now, which is tops in the NBA. He's been phenomenal. Sixers have remained. They Timberwolves had the best record in the West, so that was a big matchup. Uh, Nuggets beat the Raptors behind Jokic's very good performance. He dropped 31. Raptors again. The Raptors are just a bad team. Uh, Lakers lose again to the Chicago Bulls. They've lost five of their last six since winning the in-season tournament. So their Clippers win in Dallas without Paul George. They've won nine in a row. And they're now fourth in the Western Conference all of a sudden. So look out for the Clippers. Celtics crush my Kings. Don't like the beam. Heat beat the Magic. And the Pacers drub the Hornets tonight. Game to watch, Utah Jazz, Detroit Pistons, in Detroit, will the losing streak continue? Jazz lost last night in Cleveland, back-to-back. I think the Pistons win tonight. Pacers-Grizzlies, fun game. John Morant returned, awesome debut, hit the game winner in New Orleans. He returns home tonight. Pacers are allowing over 135 points per game. They also can score. They scored 144 last night in their victory against Charlotte. So that should be a fun game. Clippers at the Thunder. Lakers, Timberwolves, both on a back-to-back playing one another. Wizards, Portland is truly dreadful. Tomorrow, we will talk about the Christmas Day games, which which will be happening on Monday. We'll preview those, look ahead to them and anything else that's going to happen over the weekend and uh, certain things that uh, happen in the world of sports tonight, we will talk about tomorrow. But first, NFL Week 16, if you can believe it, begins tonight in Los Angeles. New Orleans Saints on the road heading to face the Rams. 
Both teams are 7-7. Seven and seven. Both teams are still in the hunt. Rams looking to make a wildcard spot. The Saints either looking for a wildcard spot or win the NFC South. Saints are currently tied with the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers hold the tiebreaker. For the Saints, Chris Olave, who missed last week's game against the G-Men, will return. One of the best receivers in the NFL. They attacked. Carr played, I think, his best game of the season. Their defense was good last week. Then you have Matthew Stafford, who might be throwing the football better than any quarterback in the NFL right now. Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup on the field, Kyron Williams in the backfield. And tonight the Rams are four and a half point home favorites. Which to me, I understand, but it's also a big number. Because for two, oh, and it's dropped since then. Pardon me. The Rams are now three and a half point home favorites. That was the, the line yesterday. So it's shifted by a point. This is a tight game. Two 7-7 seven and seven teams. Two teams that have their deficiencies. The Saints aren't great at stopping the run. The Saints' offense has been completely up and down all season long. Derek Carr has played good football. He's played bad football. He's done it all. You have Alvin Kamara. You have Chris Olave. I think we could see some scoring tonight. The key to the game for the Rams, and I think they'll win the game, if they can keep Matthew Stafford upright in time for him to throw in the pocket because he can throw the ball down the field and he can put it on his receivers. To me, the Saints are a slightly better team. If the line was four and a half points, I would be taking the Saints plus the points because I think they'd cover that spread. We're going to talk about there's a lot of road dogs. Sorry, home dogs this coming weekend. A lot of them. Rams are at home, three and a half. Saints will keep it close. But I'm going to take the Rams minus three and a half. It's going to be a close game. Saints will get will stay in it, but I see Stafford, his clutch play down the stretch, prevailing for the Rams. We have two Saturday games. Cincinnati Bengals visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Bengals obviously have Jake Browning. They will be without Jamar Chase, who might need shoulder surgery. So that's a huge loss for the Bengals. While the Steelers have benched Mitch Trubisky. He's been benched for Mason Rudolph, who feels like he's been in that organization for a decade. He's 28, practice squad the last couple of years. He's starting another game somehow. So Mason Rudolph versus Jake Browning on Saturday afternoon. I love the Steelers' defense, have all year, but their offense is dreadful. They were fighting this week because George Pickens didn't block somebody over the weekend, and he got called out on it, and he's been fighting the media. Deontay Johnson 
did it earlier in the year. And I talked about, I just feel like this team is coming apart at the seams. Mike Tomlin doesn't have this team together. And oddly enough, the Steelers still have a chance to make the playoffs if they play good football down the stretch here. But the Bengals found a way to win and found a way to cover last weekend against the Vikings when it looked like they were going to lose. Jake Browning found the touch. He found the way. No Jamar Chase, but they have T. Higgins. They have Tyler Boyd. They love using their tight ends. Two-headed monster at running back with Joe Mixon and Chase Brown, the Canadian. So while T.J. Watt will 100% get a sack, maybe more, and the Steelers will get some stops, have some three and outs in this game, the Bengals, who are a road favorite, a two-and-a-half point road favorite, will go into Pittsburgh and cover that number. I love betting home dogs, but I do not trust the Steelers to win this game. I believe Mike Tomlin will have his first losing season in his career. And it starts this week against the Bengals. Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles Chargers. This game is going to be something else for people in the United States because it's only on Peacock which is a streaming service. I can't even imagine trying to explain that to my parents to get the game on the TV. wouldn't work. But it's on Peacock. You can watch on TSN, I believe, in Canada. But the Bills are 12-and-a-half-point favorites in Los Angeles. Los Angeles just fired Brandon Staley, thank God. No Justin Herbert. No Keenan Allen. Easton Stick will be making his second straight start. Woof. He looked dreadful against the Raiders. They dropped, they, you know, the Raiders put 63 on the Chargers. You worry about a new coach bump because it seems to happen in every sport, just even for a little while. But the Bills are playing as good a football as anybody in the NFL. They found their stride, they have the momentum. They can run the football with James Cook. Josh Allen didn't turn the ball over last week. The Chargers just aren't a good team. And I think certain guys on that team are going to be competing hard. They want a new contract. They want this. They want that. But I don't know where the motivation is going to be when you know you're not making the playoffs and the season's over and there's going to be a new head coach. And reportedly, the Chargers are really interested in Jim Harbaugh who's currently at Michigan. And I get that. I think he's a smart choice. I think he's a good coach. I'd be looking to hire him too. Because they need help there. They need smart people. I think Jim Harbaugh can be that person for the Chargers. But that's next year. Betting the Bills is always scary to me. I don't trust the Bills. They burn me. They they play down to their competition. They lost to the Patriots this year. They let the Giants cover this year on a big number. And I think the fact that this number is not 15 or 14 and a half is Vegas telling you they don't trust the Bills. But the pick is the Bills. Bills minus 12 and a half. On the road. But do not bet this game. 
betting a 12-point favorite, it's just such a loser move. There's friends of mine. I'm not going to name them. I love them dearly. But they'd make this bet because it's so predictable. It's so boring. 12 point fate, 12 and a half point favors. You might as well just not make any money because you're not gonna bet in a 12 and a half point favors. But that's their cross to bear. Not mine. I have a, you know, semi clear conscience. So I can deal with it. But Bills, minus 12 and a half. That brings us to Sunday, Christmas Eve, where there's a full slate of games. Cleveland Browns visiting the Houston Texans. Cleveland, Joe Flacco, they find a way to win. They're looking like they're going to be in really good shape to at least be a wildcard team. I would even go, and we're going to talk about injuries, that I think it's almost a lock that they're going to be a playoff team and be possibly be the, the fifth seed in the AFC. The Browns are 9-5. They're going to Houston to play the Texans. Texans snuck out a win. Uh, Texans snuck out a win last weekend against the Titans to stay in playoff position to remain eight and six and remain in the hunt. They return home, but you get they got bad news. C.J. Stroud is still in concussion protocol, and it doesn't sound like he's going to play because they they announced this on Wednesday that it's unlikely he's going to play. So this must be a pretty bad concussion which means that Case Keenum will be making a second straight start for the Texans. Prior to this news, the Texans were favorites, home favorites. The line has flipped to the Browns. It was minus 2.5 Texans. Now it is Browns minus 2.5 as a road favorite. So four games to talk about so far. We have three... Home dogs. If C.J. Stroud was playing, I would have taken the Texans. Likely. But I love that Browns defense. Case Keenum cannot escape the pocket like C.J. Stroud. He cannot move around to avoid sacks. He threw a pick six last weekend. While Joe Flacco will have his fair share of interceptions, he'll turn the ball over. He might keep it interesting. The Browns found a way to win. They won by more than two and a half points last week against the Bears. And I believe they'll do it again. All you need to do is the Browns to win by a field goal. If they win this game, they'll have 10 wins. They play the Jets the next Thursday. They are going to be a playoff team. Lock it in. They'll have 11-12 wins. They'll be a great team. Without asshole at quarterback, which I'm all for. Go Cleveland. If C.J. Stroud was playing, it's a tougher decision. I don't see Case Keenum in that Houston offense that's depleted because they keep losing guys, beating the Cleveland Browns without that quarterback. That defense is too good. They'll intercept Case. I see at least two interceptions in this game by the Browns defense. Miles Garrett all over the field. He's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Browns minus two and a half. Detroit Lions at the Minnesota Vikings. This is the first of two matchups in three weeks. Lions are coming off a big win against the Broncos. Vikings coming off a devastating overtime loss 
to the Bengals. Nick Mullins back in at quarterback. Again, betting on the Lions is scary. And the Lions are another road favorite. The Vikings defense is solid, I will say. They do blitz a lot, which they need to do against Jared Goff. But I also look up and go, give the ball to Jameer Gibbs some, like I pitched on Monday, or Sunday night, pardon me, and you'll have more success. So maybe, you know, Ben Johnson listen to the show. But Nick Mullins had two interceptions. He had one of the dumbest interceptions in NFL history where he th- threw the ball in the air. To a, it was just it was something else. Kirk Cousins, I'm taking the Vikings, and the Vikings would be a favorite if Kirk Cousins was healthy. The Lions need this game. They want to stay in the mix for potentially getting the two seed, potentially being the number one seed, which isn't out of the realm of possibility yet. The Niners have a tough game this week, so who knows? So I just think the Vikings are too depleted. Jared Goff has been up and down, yes. But I think the Lions go into Minnesota, division game, and win. And they'll they'll cover the three points. I like Lions minus three. Green Bay Packers at the 49-cent tickets, Carolina Panthers. Two teams that are going nowhere fast. Two teams that are not going to be in the playoffs. Two teams that have tough decisions to make in the offseason. Packers are 6-8, and eight, so technically they're not out of playoff contention, which is a true statement. They win this game, they're back in the mix. Panthers are 2-12. and 12. They don't own the first pick in the draft. The Bears do, so they have no incentive to lose. That's one thing to sell this game. Jordan Love hasn't been playing well as of late. The defense hasn't been playing well. Matt LeFleur was undefeated in December until he wasn't. He's lost two in a row. Packers only a four and a half point favorite. That tells you something. That Vegas doesn't think they're very good, and they aren't very good. Quite frankly, they lost by two touchdowns to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so only have one more win than the Packers. And by the way, these lines are all provided to you by uh, DraftKings. Uh, sorry, FanDuel, because I like the book better. But. Carolina got their win last week. They had their moment against the Sad Sack Falcons. They're not a good enough team to win two in a row. I've been betting on them the last couple weeks to cover games, which has been great for for making money. I don't think they covered... (laughs) As I'm going through this, you go and you see all the home dogs, which the Panthers obviously are, and you go, well, somebody's going to have to cover a spread being a home dog, and I don't think it's going to be the Texans without CJ. Chargers, potentially for me, are that team, but I don't trust Easton Stick in that team and their coaching. Who the hell knows? Steelers, maybe, but I don't think so. And then you go, well, those are what we the Vikings, I don't see it. Panthers, they'll hang in it, but I do think it'll be more in a three-point win. Plays the Packers. Minus four and a half to keep their season alive. Indianapolis Colts at the Atlanta Falcons. And this might be the most surprising line of the weekend. The Atlanta Falcons, who put up seven points against the Carolina Panthers last weekend, 
are a one and a half point home favorite. The, the Colts, yes, they have Gardner Minshew, and yes, they've lost players, and you look up and go, okay, the Colts are not that good. They've lost once since week nine. That's a fact, by the way. Colts have been as good as anybody. Gardner Minshew's playing good football. Yes, Michael Pittman left the game last week. But he's been involved. He's over 1,000 yards receiving, almost 100 catches. He's in concussion protocol. We don't know if he's playing this week yet. But they do have Josh Downs and Alec Pierce. And Zach Moss hurt his shoulder, but he said he's going to play. Jonathan Taylor could return. So I look up and go, yeah, Colts has some injuries, but the Colts need this game just as much as the Falcons do. Falcons don't have a great home field advantage. Arthur Smith's on the hot seat. They benched Desmond Ritter for the second time this season for my guy, the Green Lizard, Taylor Heineke. He's back under center. But the Colts just find a way to win. The Colts are just kind of this durable team. And they're 8-6, and six, and it's kind of what you've seen now is, oh, the Bills are a locked playoff team. I don't know that. Colts have at Falcons, Raiders, Texans. They can't win those three and be a playoff team. Bengals finish with at Steelers, at Chiefs, Browns. They can't win two of those three, make the playoffs, potentially. Bengals and Colts own the tiebreaker against the Buffalo Bills. So Buffalo, a locked playoff team all of a sudden, they need a lot of help to get in. I like the Colts in this game. Despite their injuries, Falcons don't have injuries, but they are injured because they just do stupid things that, that, that make them lose. One and a half point dogs, I like the Colts. Plus one and a half. Seattle Seahawks at the Tennessee Titans. Another home dog. Seattle coming off a huge win against Philadelphia on Monday. Geno Smith was a full participant in practice yesterday, so it looks like he's in line to return this coming weekend. Drew Locke is hopeful to play, but he's no guarantee. So if he can't play, Ryan Tannehill will be back under center for the Tennessee Titans. This does scream letdown game for the Seahawks. You get back in the playoff mix. You beat one of the better teams in the NFL. And this entire season has been, okay, you get some momentum, then you lose it. You, you're riding the wave, then you run into a brick wall, and nothing happens. I don't think the Seahawks are a great team, but I do think they're better than the Titans. Titans are another wounded animal. But you go, and they, sh they were up 13-0 against the Texans last week. They beat the Dolphins. They're eliminated from playoff contention now. Titans are intriguing under, underdog pick at home. If it was a bigger number, I might be looking at them two and a half. I don't think the Titans beat the Seahawks. I'm going to pick the Seahawks to improve to eight and seven. 
continue their climb and make the postseason in the NFC. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, pardon me, another game before that. Washington Commanders at the New York Jets. I almost forgot this game. Wanted to forget it. Another line that's perplexing to me. Jets are a three-point home favorite. Zach Wilson's in concussion protocol. Aaron Rodgers was activated, but he's not going to play, but they had to cut a player to activate him, so he's just going to be on the sideline as a prop. I don't know. But Aaron's my guy, so I support him. But it's crazy. So it'll be Trevor Simeon if Zach Wilson doesn't get out of protocol, and I don't think he's going to. So it'll be Trevor Simeon, who hasn't started a game this year. Commanders are a cluster expletive because they're no good either. They are 4-10, and and they stink. And Sam Howell was banged up, and he got benched at the end of last week's game. But he's going to play again this week. They're going with him. It will not be Jacoby Brissett. So, to me, I like Sam Howell more than I like Trevor Simeon. Washington's defense is problematic. Yes, but I don't trust the Jets' offense. And I don't know why the Jets are a three-point home favorite because they haven't warranted being a favorite in any game this year. Any game. Two really bad teams. A game I would never want to attend because it's not going to be a fun watch. But I'm going to take Washington plus three because I think they're going to win the game. I think this is FanDuel giving out just a really nice plus money, a Christmas gift, if you will, on Christmas Eve. Make some money before the big guy comes down the chimney. Washington, plus three. It's the next game that I am intrigued by. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa coming off that huge win in Green Bay. Jacksonville's lost three in a row. They're in trouble. Trevor uh, Trevor Lawrence is in concussion protocol. He's progressing. Sounds like he'll be able to play, but he has not practiced this week. So that's a concern. Jaguars just have no cohesion on offense. He's not playing great football. Their defense is up and down. And Baker Mayfield's playing some of the best quarterback in the NFC. And their defense has played pretty well as of late. This is such an important game for me for the Buccaneers. If they can win this game, I think they make the playoffs. Because I see them beating the Saints next week, and they'll win the NFC South. To me, they're the best team in that bad division. Baker Mayfield's the best quarterback in that bad division, but he's played good football this year. He's been better than Trevor Lawrence, quite frankly, this season. He leads comebacks. He throws touchdowns, does not turn the ball over. I'm taking the Bucs outright. Bucks minus two and a half. They're the home team. They're the more confident team. They're playing better football. I like the Buccaneers to beat the Jaguars at home, and I think the Jaguars are in big trouble and could potentially 
miss the playoffs. Because if the Colts win, being a road dog, Jags lose, Colts are first place in the AFC South. Cardinals at the Bears. Another dreadful football game. Kyler Murray, Justin Fields. You'll see two quarterbacks run around. Two banged up teams. Two teams with nothing to play for. The Bears love to have a lead, then give it up. Something they marvel in. The Bears will be considering whether Matt Eberflus is their head coach moving forward. I think after losing last week's game, it became clear he is not. Every game's a trial for Justin Fields if he's their guy moving forward. For the Cardinals, what I can tell you, if you're going to watch some of this game, look out for Trey McBride, their tight end. He's phenomenal. He's the next, you know, the next wave of tight ends. He's in that mix with Sam Laporta. Uh, Jawan Johnson, the Saints, is great. The next young crop, to me, he's part of that group. So look out for him. Otherwise, this game stinks. But the Bears are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I thought this would be a three-point spread. I like the Cardinals plus four-and-a-half to, to cover. Cardinals, to keep it within a, within a field goal, I'll take that, even in the cold Chicago December winter. The game of Sunday, the Dallas Cowboys at the Miami Dolphins. Cowboys are coming off that spanking loss to the Bills, where the Bills ran for over 250 yards down their throat. They could do nothing about it. It was embarrassing. Now the Cowboys head to Miami, the best place on earth. Dolphins are coming off a 30 to nothing win over the sad sack Jets. Tyreek Hill did not play, but it sounds like he will be active this weekend. So will Jalen Waddle. The offensive line for Miami to be determined. Dolphins have the toughest remaining schedule in the NFL, in my mind. Home to the Cowboys, at the Ravens, home to the Bills. Potentially could be three playoff teams in your last three games which could be a great thing if it propels you into the playoffs, could be a disastrous thing if it doesn't go your way. Dolphins are a a one-and-a-half-point home favorite. I was at a game last year, this time of year, in Miami, my first NFL game. Packers-Dolphins in Miami, and it was fantastic. It was about two degrees, which is not what you expect in Florida, and everybody was freezing, and... My dad, who's soft, was shaking the whole game, and people were a little chilly. I was having a great time soaking it all in. I wish I was going again this year, but I'll be back soon, I promise. Maybe not to Miami, but to you know a stadium near you. But I loved it. But the Dolphins were a favorite in that game, and they lost to the Packers. And the Packers weren't a, as good a team as the Cowboys are. To me, the Dallas Cowboys are better than what they showed against the Bills. The Cowboys are more suited to play a team like Miami, despite the fact that Bradley Chubb and Christian Wilkins were dominating the offensive line last week against the Jets. The Cowboys' offensive line is better than that team. Dak Prescott had a horrible game, a horrible performance. He'll be looking to rebound in a major way. 
So with all that being said, with Tyreek being back, going up against Stephon Gilmore, and trying to find ways to exploit Deron Bland, Dan Quinn against Mike McDaniel, one of the best defensive coordinators and maybe the most brilliant offensive mind in the league right now. I think we get an awesome game. It's on Fox. You get Greg Olson calling it. To me, he's the best in, in the game right now at calling it with Kevin Burkhart. It's the best team in the NFL uh, media group. I'm taking the Cowboys plus one and a half. Yes, Raheem Mostert. Yes, Devon A. Chain can run the football. But I think the Cowboys are going to be prepared for it. Uh, Dolphins like to run outside zones more than just power running up the middle. That suits the Cowboys more. Micah Parsons cannot just be on the edge every single play. Dan Quinn will make adjustments. Dolphins are a good team, but they haven't beaten a good team all year. Cowboys have. Cowboys are going to be physical. Cowboys get the upset in Miami. I like Cowboys plus one and a half, and I think they win the game outright. Nightcap of Christmas Eve. New England Patriots at the Denver Broncos. This game, I think beginning of the year, they thought, okay, you get Belichick, you get Sean Payton. Both teams might be better than you know they are right now. Patriots are in last place in the AFC. Broncos are currently in the seventh spot. However, the Broncos win. A couple of things go their way. They remain in the playoff mix. And the Broncos, home to the Patriots, home to the Sadsack Chargers, at the Raiders to end their season. So if they win out, they're 10-7. and seven. You take your chances. Maybe you get in. And it wouldn't shock me if they did with the way some of these other teams, teams that they have to play. So they need to win every game and hope that they get some help to get into the playoffs. I don't think Sean Payton loves... Russell Wilson. I don't think Russell Wilson loves Sean Payton. I don't think they're a match made in heaven. I don't think they want to be with each other again next year. But they're going to play out this season. Broncos are a six and a half point favorite. Patriots had their win a few weeks ago against the Steelers. Their defense is still fantastic. Bailey Zappi is not. However, it's unfortunate that they're not starting Nathan Rourke. They kept the Chiefs game to 10 points. 10 point spread was 8.5. They put up 17 points. They can force turnovers, which Russell Wilson can do. And yes, this game is in Denver and not in Foxborough. But shitty conditions, mistakes could happen. Chess match, Christmas Eve, night game. I think the Broncos are going to win Sunday night. I think the Patriots cover. Patriots plus six and a half is my pick. They're going to force some turnovers, frustrate Sean Payton and Russell Wilson a little bit, limit the damage. They keep games close. I think this game is low scoring because the Patriots can't score. So for that to happen, it needs to be low scoring. And the Patriots don't want to win this game because they want a better draft pick. But they'll they'll keep it under a touchdown. That's my that's my thought is Patriots plus six and a half. 
We now get to Christmas Day with a three-pack of games. Beginning with Raiders at the Chiefs. Divisional game. Raiders coming off that 62-21 win over the Chargers last Thursday. So they get like 10 days off. Mini bye week. Chiefs coming off that win against the Patriots. Chiefs are not a great team. But they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win their division. They still have an outside chance of getting the number one seed in the AFC. So they need just to keep winning games and move forward. Kadarius Toney can't be in their plans. Travis Kelsey doesn't look right. I love Rasheed Rice. Isaiah Pacheco is unlikely to play again. Ten points. It's a big number. It's a big number. But what I'm saying today, what I'm saying is the Raiders look great against the Chargers because they were just completely deflating. And I hate, I hate betting on the Chiefs this year because they screw you every time. But I think this could be the game for them to start to find some momentum. They love playing the Raiders. They were down to them by 14 points this year, and they won by two touchdowns. It's in Kansas City. Christmas, crowd, Taylor Swift, love in the air. KC minus 10 is the pick because Mahomes and Andy Reid love playing the Raiders because they always win and they always cover. New York football giants visiting the Philadelphia Eagles for the second time in three weeks. Eagles are unraveling. However, They are a 13.5-point favorite on Monday. Giants gave up seven sacks to the Saints. Philly has not been great at sacking the quarterback. They only have nine sacks on third down this season, which is worst in the NFL. They're going to have to handle Tommy DeVito, who is a running quarterback, who will want to skate the pocket and make plays happen with his legs. So they need to be aware of that. This is a game where the Eagles need to show something. They need to hope that Dallas loses to the Dolphins. I don't think they will. But they what they need to do now is win out and then hope that they get lucky and stumble into winning the NFC East and not be a wild card team. Although it might be better because you might, it might be better playing the Bucs and say the Rams in the playoffs, but that remains to be seen. Two touchdowns is a big number. Big number. Eagles do a decent job at stuffing the run. It's one thing I will give them credit for. They didn't allow Seattle to do that. They don't they didn't really allow the Cowboys to do it to them. It was the passing attack. Their secondary is their weakness, and Tommy DeVito is not a guy that's going to air the ball down the field for big chunk yardage. 
Never betting on this game. And I would love to take the Giants because 13 and a half points is a massive number. But I kind of look at this like the Chiefs. It's the get right game. It's the great opportunity game just to right the ship. Eagles minus 13 and a half. They win at home and they limit and they smother Tommy DeVito the entire afternoon. And the final game on Christmas Day. You could argue game of the weekend alongside Cowboys-Dolphins. The number one seed in the AFC, Baltimore Ravens. At the number one seed in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers have not lost since week eight on their bye week. Ravens have been playing some really good footballs of late as well. They find ways to win. Both teams 11-3. and three. Ravens' last loss was on November 12th. 49ers' last loss was on October 29th. So two teams on really great runs. San Francisco's totally healthy. Baltimore's not. They've lost Mitchell. They've lost, they've lost three running backs this year. They've gone through offensive linemen, defensive players, in and out. So they're wounded, certainly. Plus, they're in the Bay Area on Christmas Day. I love Lamar. He can make anything happen. San Francisco, you can score points on them. Arizona scored 29 on that defense last week. But when there's Purdy and McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Ayuk Bre- and, and Kittle and Trent Williams on the offensive line, San Francisco is the best team in the NFL. And yes, the Ravens have been on a roll, but every game they win, you, you don't find it impressive. You go, okay, yeah, they won. Like their game against the Jaguars on Sunday night, I was not impressed with that win. Their win against the Rams was impressive, but it was almost like, okay, well, you, you won a game. Your defense is horrible. They beat the Chargers. They beat the Bengals without Joe Burrow, and their last loss was to Cleveland. Another game they should have won. Ravens, I don't think are going to end up as the top seed in the AFC. Might be the Chiefs. I think the Ravens are going to lose this coming weekend. And they play the Dolphins, and then they play the Steelers. I don't know if they win those two games. They could lose two of the next three, have five losses. Chiefs would have five losses. Maybe the Chiefs are the number one seed. Who knows? Just speculating here. But I got the 49ers, minus five and a half. I just think they're the best team. I think I think they're a, a quite a bit better than the, the Ravens, myself. I don't think it's that close. So, yeah, on paper, it looks like a great game. And it probably will be, because watching Lamar Jackson play is awesome in and of itself. It's a privilege. But I don't believe that I don't believe that the Ravens can can handle the 49ers with that pass rush with everything that they're bringing to the table. Great game. Love the end to the Christmas weekend, but I believe the 49ers get it done. 
and they remain the best team in the NFL, and they'll be marching toward the number one seed in the in the entirety of the of the NFL. That's Week 16. Some interesting matchups, certainly. Only three more weeks of regular season football. Ugh. The next two weeks go by quick twos. You have Christmas on a weekend, then you have New Year's on a weekend. So they kind of get thrown in together. Then you return to work, and all of a sudden it's Week 18. Plus you have the college football playoff in there. The semifinals are a week from Monday. Alabama, Texas, Alabama, Alabama, Michigan, Texas, Washington. We'll preview those games as we get closer. But yeah, I mean, just lots happening tomorrow on the podcast. We're talking World Juniors. We're talking NBA Christmas games. Any other news that pops up in the world of sports overnight, we will be all over it. Before we wrap, just check it if anything comes up. Kuzmenko, a healthy scratch again for the Canucks tonight. So tough break for him lately, but they're winning. So you can't really can't really look at that. Uh, Golden Knights goalies Hill and Thompson, both out with injuries. That's problematic. Mark Giordano, out till after Christmas for the Maple Leafs. Um, that's about it. Nothing on the baseball front. I don't think we'll see a signing until January, the way things are sounding. Cody Bellinger still in the mix for the Blue Jays, but I don't see it happening the week of Christmas. So hold the phone on that. But hope you guys enjoyed the afternoon pod. Appreciate the support as always. Thank you for listening. Good luck in your bets. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on To The Point.